the most common specific questions I receive these days is about clarity and understanding of charge complaints. So let's chat charge complaints. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain presented by the Maritime Professor, me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So before we get into the discussion of the day, let's go through my top three stories of the week. (laughs) So story number one, a federal judge has struck down a Rhode Island truck tolling plan. A win for truckers. So I'm based in Massachusetts on the South Coast here. It's somewhere between Boston and Rhode Island. And so I've been watching this case with interest. So essentially, Rhode Island set up some tolling poles, um, some, you know, similar to an easy pass that were only for a truck. So all cars pass through it, but they only would scan and charge for a truck. The American Trucking Association filed a lawsuit challenging that fee, and they won. The implications of this specific instance were that if that fee, that tolling fee was successful, other states may have been interested in starting their own fee plan. It was actually struck down under a constitutional basis, the Dormant Commerce Clause, and the judge said because RoadWorks failed to properly apportion its tolls among bridge users based on a fair approximation of their use of the bridge, it was enacted with a discriminatory purpose and is discriminatory in effect. The statute's tolling regime is unconstitutional under the Dormant Commerce Clause of the United States Constitution. Judges don't like discriminatory purposes of fees uh, for the most part. So this is a win for truckers, Um, not only truckers going through Rhode Island, but I would say a win for truckers in the country because now it's less likely – unlikely that it would expand into other states unless the other states or maybe Rhode Island correct the things that the discriminatory purpose that the judge is talking about here. But I don't know, less likely to move on. It doesn't seem like truckers can catch a break recently. So I think that this is a great win between AB5 and some of the new fuel rules. Truckers won on this one. So story number two, a little different of a story here, but still in the New England area. Uh, reports are coming out about lobsters and offshore wind. As a little background, there's a conflict <clears throat> between lobstermen and scallopers and the offshore wind industry that's being created and will soon be in production in New England. <clears throat> and the, I should say the commercial scale offshore wind industry. Uh, one of the major concerns of the fishermen is that it's going to negatively impact the life, cycle, uh, the life cycle of the catch. Notably, one of the lease areas for this offshore wind facility location is on a historically known breeding ground for scallops. Um, So one of the reports is out of Europe, and it said uh, that there was a short-term increase in size and catch rates of lobsters associated with the construction phase of the wind farm site. 
But this was not observed during the subsequent operational phase surveys. Although the impacts of wind farms on fisheries will vary on a case-by-case basis, this study has implications for the expansion of offshore wind developments on other static gear crustacean fisheries. That's great. That's good. They saw an increase, a short-term increase in size and catch of lobsters. And then to add to that, there was a study of the first offshore wind farm in the United States. So this was a five-turbine operation. It's off Block Island, which is an island off Rhode Island, uh, part of Rhode Island. It's not the commercial scale that we are about to see, but it is a five-turbine operation. Um, It's an area historically fished by commercial trawl, gillnet, and lobster vessels, as well as the recreational fishing industry. It was studied how might the offshore wind farm impact these fisheries in this five-turbine Block Island area. Uh, Local fishermen and scientists actually designed this study on the impact from offshore wind construction and operation, and the results were after seven years of monitoring, some fish species were more abundant following the turbine installation. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Um, this is this is a good thing that we see an increase in, in the fish because we certainly don't want to put fishermen out here. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how how these studies are received in the industry. But um, we'll, we'll continue to see. I've, I've heard of um, some of these these static structures um, being, uh, you know, we've also heard of containers going down and being used as artificial reefs. I've heard of these static structures being used um, potentially in an artificial reef type situation and, and finding those benefits. But this is great to see for the lobsters. So story number three, rates are continuing to drop. Container rates. They are continuing to drop. Drury Shipping is reporting a 61% drop in their World Container Index and a 10% drop in the recent weeks and months. How low will they go? We're going to keep watching. So without further ado, though, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day. Today is charge complaints. What are they and how do they work? We've talked a little bit about charge complaints before, but I thought it was important to just focus solely on charge complaints. So what are they? It's a new creation under the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022. We've talked about OSRA 2022 quite a bit, and it it was intended to be a faster law enforcement mechanism for complaints. But there's a catch. These charge complaints were created by OSRA 22, so they were only they are only available for charges happening on or after OSRA 22 was signed, so June 16th. Last week, we went over the pre-OSRA, the pre-June 16th options. Uh, Go check out the episode on demand. I'm a shipper and I've been wronged. What are my options? Um, But today, we're going to be talking about post-June 16th, and that's 2022. So that's just a couple months ago. These are charge complaints. So as of last week, the FMC reported that they have had 95 complaints filed. When we first heard from the FMC on this at the end of July, which was about five weeks since the charge complaints had been um, kind of enacted, they had only had seven filed at that point. Now they've had 95 complaints filed. The FMC said, unfortunately, only about half of those were actually validly filed, uh, meaning they were occurrences that maybe happened before June 16th, um, or they might not have been filed properly. Maybe they didn't state the specific violation that they're submitting the complaint for. That's why you have to be very careful when you're filing these charge complaints. They are supposed to be easier. They're supposed to be faster. They are fairly straightforward in the information that you need to submit, but you need to follow the instructions and 
actually do what they're asking. So the FMC gave some initial guidance on what a charge complaint is and how to file one. They posted it on their website. They, they um, sent it out into the, into the media world. Uh, but let's go over that advice here. So the FMC said in order to charge a, in order to file a charge complaint, there must be a specific violation of 46 USC, so the US code, section 41102, which are general prohibitions of the Shipping Act, and or 41104A, common carriers and general requirements. So you have to have a specific violation. So how do you file that charge complaint? In order to file the charge complaint, the FMC requests the following steps. You need to identify the common carrier. That seems pretty straightforward. Uh, You need to identify the specific alleged violation. So like I said, you have to have a violation. There has to be a specific violation. You have to identify that. So it's under 46 USC, US Code 41102, or and or 41104A. Gather and submit supporting documentation as appropriate, including the invoices. And actually, when they talked about, when the FMC talked about charge complaints, they said, we would love to see the invoices because there is so much information in those invoices that they can garner from that. Um, They'd also like to see, if possible, the bill of lading numbers and evidence of whether the charge has actually been paid or not. Um, Confirm that the disputed charge was incurred on or after the enactment of OSRA 22, so that's June 16th. You have to confirm confirm that this happened after June 16th. And then you submit all relevant materials in one email, if possible, over to chargecomplaints at fmc.gov. So it's really important to understand that charge complaints filed with the FMC <clears throat> initiate investigations for law enforcement purposes only. So for a, for a more formal resolution, the FMC still reminds filers that formal and informal complaints lawsuits can still be filed as well as the Alternative Dispute Resolution Services through the Office of Consumer Affairs and Dispute Resolution Services. So that's the mediation. Those are the old options. They're still available now, but those are the historical options. And um, we went over those last week. Please go check that out if you want to hear all the different options that you have um, with respect to detention and merge. So what are the resolutions that you actually get with a charge complaint then? What, What happens if you win, quote unquote, on a charge complaint? You get your money back if you paid. And then there's possible civil penalties that are, are char- that are levied against the carrier from the FMC. So the FMC has stated that this is just the initial guidance on how to file a charge complaint and that they'll be initiating a rulemaking to further clarify the charge complaint process. But since this was a tool given by Congress when OSRA was created, it was important for the FMC to get guidance out there on how to file the charge complaint since it wasn't available it was it wasn't available prior to, and then all of a sudden th- through OSRA, here we have this new thing called charge complaints. The FMC needed to get out there. How do you use this? Um, like I said, there there are going to be filing a, a um, they're going to be starting initiating a rulemaking on this. So we're going to get more information potentially. What if you don't like the charge complaint um, determination? How do you appeal that? Um, that's not clear right now. Uh, right now, all it all it really is is we're trying to get some some our hands on. What's going on when when there's a charge that you have a dispute against and it has to do with a carrier and it has to do with a specific violation? This is that. This is supposed to be faster. The FMC has said about 60 days for reviewing. Um, I don't know if that means the whole thing's tied up in 60 days or if they'll get to it within 60 days. Um, But either way, this is supposed to be a faster mechanism. 
So let's dive in a little bit deeper to charge complaints um, and and kind of what it looks like in the Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Um, They are now codified in the U.S. Code, these specific charge complaints. Um, It's 46 U.S.C. 41310. Uh, We're going to get a little heavy on the legal speak here, but I'm going to break it down so that you can understand it. Um, So the statute, the law, says a person may submit to the Federal Maritime Commission and the commission shall accept information concerning complaints about charges assessed by a common carrier. The information submitted to the commission shall include the bill of lading numbers and invoices and may include other relevant information. So that's what the law says. So what does that mean for us? That means that these are charges assessed by a common carrier and it's important to include the invoice and the bill of lading numbers. That's what the FMC said that themselves as well. Um, note, it says charges, not detention and demurrage. It doesn't define charges as only being detention and demurrage. The FMC's talked a little bit about that. Chairman Maffei said that he thought that the charges could potentially be expanded beyond detention and demurrage. I think we're going to see that come out in the rulemaking. Um, I think in general right now they're going to have their hands full with detention and demerge charges. That's what everybody's worried about and talking about. So uh, that's that's where it tends to fall. But that's not a hard and fast rule. So <clears throat> that language doesn't really explain what they are, though. So essentially, like we said, filed charge complaints initiate law enforcement investigations by the FMC. They result in a refund of the money paid when you bring your charge complaint. Um, if it's found that there is a violation of uh, 46 U.S.C. 41102 or 41104A, the general prohibitions or the common carrier general requirements, um, or it could result in civil penalties against the or and or uh, could result in civil penalties against the common carrier by the FMC. So what are these sections that we keep mentioning, the, the general prohibitions and the common carrier's general requirements. So the general prohibitions are including, um, these include obtaining transportation at less than applicable rates, operating contrary to an agreement, practices in handling property, including failing to establish, observe, and enforce just and reasonable regulations and practices related to or connected with receiving, handling, storing, or delivering property, retaliation, and other discriminatory actions, which the FMC is charged with doing a rulemaking on later this summer. Um, And then we get into the common carrier's general requirements. It's a pretty big section, so I'm just going to hit the highlights here. We have a common carrier, either alone or in conjunction with any person directly or indirectly, shall not allow a person to obtain transportation for less than rates, provide service in the line or trade that is not in accordance with rates, charges, classifications, rule, and practices contained in a tariff or service contract, under a tariff or service contract that has been suspended or prohibited by the FMC, unreasonably refuse cargo space accommodations when available or resort to unfair or unjustly discriminatory methods, engage in any unfair or unjustly discriminatory practice in the matter of rates or charges, cargo classification, cargo space availability, um, loading and landing of freight, um, adjustment and settling of claims for, for service pursuant to a service contract, engage in any unfair, or unjustly discriminatory or use of a vessel of particular trade, preventing or reducing competition by driving another ocean common carrier out of that trade. This is a lot, right? The, uh, these are there's more here, but all this I'm I'm outlining these because, like I said, you have to specifically identify what they violated under one of these rules. So I'm going. If any of these sound familiar, that's probably the violation that you want to include in your charge complaint. That's that's how it works. These are the pieces of law that they're asking you to go in um, to the Shipping Act and identify under these two sections. What did the common carrier violate? So um, 
A few of these are, are particularly important, um, but there, there's one that I want to highlight here. A common carrier, either alone or in conjunction, and this is under the common carrier um, section, continue to participate simultaneously in a rate discussion agreement and an agreement to share vessels in the same trade if the interplay of the authorities exercised by the specific agreements is likely by a reduction of competition to produce an unreasonable reduction in transportation service or an unreasonable increase in transportation costs. Most of the alliances are not rate discussions, and this is an and that connects rate discussions with vessel sharing, but it's still worth keeping an eye on should rate discussions be found. Um, this is Look, there's a lot of different things here. A common carrier shall not assess any party for a charge that's inconsistent or does not comply with all the pro- applicable provisions. We're getting very into the into the details here. Um, and like I said, this is all very legal. I, I suggest that you go take a look at all of this, read through it. It gets a little legal heavy, but I think that you're going to find something in here. If, if you think that something's been done that is contrary to fairness, uh, I think you're going to find your, your violation that you're looking for. Open it up, take a look. These are the things that common carriers are not allowed to do. Um, that's a not, that's a lot of shall nots, um, in this list. Um, do you think that they comply with all that? I mean, if not, then file that charge complaint. Uh, this is your moment. It's less intense, so to speak, than a full complaint. It's supposed to be quicker. It's supposed to be a law enforcement, not a full legal review. Um, like I said, when you're filing the charge complaint, make sure that you're identifying the common carrier, identify the specific alleged violation under the shipping act, under those two um, laws, the the two sections that we talked about kind of at length just a minute ago. Um, gather and support that documentation as appropriate. Invoices, bill of lading numbers, evidence of whether you've char- of you paid it. Make sure that it's after June 16th. And then you send it all over to charge complaints at fmc.gov. It's really important to understand, again, that charge complaints filed with the FMC initiate investigations for law enforcement purposes. You still have other options. You still have the old options, and that is the formal or informal complaints, um, the alternative dispute resolution through caters, the mediation, um, arbitration. There's still some some great options. You can also report a violation uh, with the enforcement office, and and so – like I said, go back and check out last week's episode. Um, you're going to find all of the kind of historical options plus your new options there. But that's it. That's charge complaints. It's it's pretty straightforward, right? I think where people are getting a little tripped up is they need to make sure that they're identifying the specific violation um, that's happening under the charge complaint. But then they also need to make sure that they are um, – Keeping it based on just one instance. You can't send everything that's happened. You can't send the kitchen sink. Um, keep it targeted. Keep it tailored. Keep it specific. And you'll you'll find um, more, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll find more success there. Um, the FMC has also said that if your charge complaints does get kicked out, they're, they're willing to work with you to figure out what you did wrong, what, what needs to be amended um, to the filing there. Again, this is just for educational purposes. This is not legal advice directly related to your matter. These are some best practices on how to approach charge complaints. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Again, the guidance here is general for educational purposes. It should not be considered to be legal advice directly related to your matter. You need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, the e-learning, the general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast, By Land and By Sea. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page, By Land and By Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. While you're at it, check out the website, themaritimeprofessor.com. E-course is dropping soon. 
So until next week, this is Lauren Began, the Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.